What is going on family? My name is Nteteng Matunyani presenting the Who is a Man podcast to you where we will tackle the issues faced and caused by men with the intention of learning from them to not only help men become better men but to mentor teenage boys and young male adults to become more matured, respectful, respectable, grounded, regal men and to rediscover our true identity as designed by God himself. Alright, so check this. I found myself caught up in the middle of a very interesting discussion between my barber and a fellow brother that I met right at the salon that I usually go to to cut my hair. And the topic at hand was which of the two is a better position to find yourself in between being a man with a vision or being a man with a million dollars in his hands. Now one person was saying being the man with a million dollars in his hands is actually a far better position to be in because you could possibly live a lavish lifestyle and also get yourself all the things that you've ever wanted. On top of that, the million dollars would actually pay off the bills right away, whereas a vision wouldn't do that. Right now another person was saying, look, being the man with a vision is a far better position to be in because without a vision, you won't have a constructive plan to not only use the money wisely, but to possibly make that money multiply and work for you. Now, evidently, one person was thinking short term, while another person was thinking long term, right? Now, I was won over by the long term thinking, and in today's episode, you will get to better understand the importance of thinking long term and bringing your vision into fruition. So please, please, please do take notes because the message that you are about to hear may just leave you thinking differently. Well, without further ado, sit back, relax as I present to you Dr. Miles Monroe's message, Why Men Need Visions and Dreams. simple subject and I want you to take a look at this subject write this down on top of your page please why men need visions and dreams why men need visions and dreams that's our topic for this session can you repeat it with me why men need visions and dreams Why is it important for the male to have vision and a dream? We're going to focus tonight on understanding the role of vision in manhood. The role of vision in manhood. I want to begin with a statement that may shock most people especially the women and that is this the key to God's strategy for ruling earth is the male man God's foundational key for ruling earth from heaven is the male man 
And Satan knows that. As a matter of fact, write this down. The male is God's foundation for the human family. Most of us as men have been taught that we are the head of the home. And we normally envision that as being on top of the family. I have come to correct that image. The male is not the top of the family. He is at the bottom. He is the foundation. The foundation carries the entire house. And when God created the human family, he was building and constructing the human entity. And God began, like all good contractors, he began with the foundation. As a matter of fact, let's just read God's word concerning his mandate. In Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make a species called man in our own image and in our likeness. Why? Let them have dominion, he says, over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle of the field, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the ground. So now we know why God created man, to have what? Dominion. The word dominion is important because this is God's original mandate for you. The word dominion, write it down, is from a Hebrew word, radach, R-A-D-A-H, and it literally means kingdom. It means to govern, to rule, to control, to manage, to master. It actually means to lead. God says, all of you, manage the planet for me. Dominate the planet. Lead the planet. Be in charge. Control the earth. Dominate the earth with my culture. So God created us to have dominion over the earth. Therefore, you were created to lead, and it's your nature to lead. That is why you hate to be told what to do. You are wired to be in charge. You are designed to be in position of management and authority, but not over people. As a matter of fact, you may want to write this statement down. Man was never created to dominate other men, but to dominate earth. God was very specific. As a matter of fact, you and I were created to dominate the resources of earth in an area of gifting. And this is very important. God gave all of us dominion, but not over people. That includes your wife. The key to life then is finding your area of gifting, for that becomes your domain. Every male in here was born to dominate a certain area of life with his gift. That becomes your domain. Therefore, discovery of your domain is the discovery of your personal purpose and your leadership. When you find your gift and your area of purpose and your gift, you become a person of purpose. As a matter of fact, discovery of your purpose is the source of your personal leadership. Everyone in this room was born to be a leader, but not over people. Leadership has more to do with self-discovery than it has to do with controlling people. As a matter of fact, if you find your gift and you begin to master it, you'll attract people. True leaders never seek followers. Followers are attracted to the gift of the leader. That is why it's important to find your gift as a man. 
You may want to write this down. Vision is a preview of your purpose. Now, I want to share something with you that changed my life concerning discovering my purpose and how important it is for you as a man to find that gift. What is the purpose for man? First of all, God's strategy was to rule earth through his human family, but his divine design of the family is the key to our success. How did God design the human family? First of all, he began with the male. Everybody say human. human. Write the word down, human. The word human is two words put together. It's the word humus and it's the word man. The word humus means dirt or earth, dust. The word man is ish in Hebrew and it's the word that God gave to the spirit being that he made. So man is a spirit being and humus is the dirt. And God took the man and put him inside an earth suit and called him a human. So a humus man is simply a spirit being in an earth suit. Your body is dirt. Now that's important because man is spirit and spirits have no gender. You will never find in the Bible anywhere any reference to a male or female spirit. It doesn't exist. Matter of fact, one time they asked Jesus, if the resurrection takes place, what happens to a man who marries, a woman who marries seven men? And his answer was, you are daft. That means you are not smart. He said, don't you know that in the spirit world, there's neither marriage nor giving in marriage, for they are all like the angels, they are spirits. In other words, man, the name of this, the spirit being, has no gender. But what God did was he took the first man and put him in a body. And the first body God formed from the dust of the ground was a male. And God blew the man into the male. So the male became the first humus man on earth. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he what? Them. That means man comes in two models, male and female models. In every woman's body is a spirit called man, and every male's body is a spirit called man. The whole species is called man, but the first body God made is male, because the male has to be the foundation of the human family. As a matter of fact, God created 6.7 billion people today, and not a one of them came from the soil. They all came out of one male. God only made one human from the soil. He never went back. Can I repeat that slowly? God only made one human from the soil. He never went back. Not even women came from the soil. <laughs> out of that one male body, God went inside and pulled out a woman. And then God told the woman to be the incubator for the man, and he released seed, and they filled the earth. And 6.7 billion men and women later, Adam is still releasing. <laughs> so the bottom of the human family is one human being, and it's the male. And God has never changed his strategy. The male is the foundation of the human family. Now, this is important to understand, because God's mandate was to fill the earth with the culture of heaven through expansion. Look at Genesis 128. 
It says, God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish and subdue the whole earth and have dominion over everything that creeps upon the ground. So God's demand upon the man was to fill the earth. Now Genesis chapter 1 is a summary. When you read Genesis 1, it's a summary of creation. Chapter 2 is the details, how God did it. Let me repeat that again. Genesis chapter 1 is what God did. Genesis chapter 2 is how he did it. So let's read the details. Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 says, And when the Lord God had made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, because the Lord had not yet sent rain on the earth. Why? Because there was no man to what? Work the ground. I could stop here and just teach for two hours on how important this statement is. But let me suffice it to say that God refused for anything to progress because he didn't have a man to manage the planet. Wherever there's no management, God retards growth. You wonder why you ain't got no money? Because you mismanaged the little he gave you. You know why you ain't got no marriage? You mismanaged the relationship he gave you. Whatever you mismanage, you lose. Write it down. God will stop growth where there's no management. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, God's solution to his problem was making a man, which means that you were really created by God to manage his resources. Verse 8 says, Now the Lord God planted a garden east in Eden, and there he put the man he had made. This is very important. God didn't allow the male to find the garden. First, God made the garden, planted the garden, and then he put the man there, which means that God intended for the man to live in this place. Eden is very important to a male. I'm going to explain Eden to you tonight. In these verses, I find God's purpose for the male. Look at Genesis 2 verse 15. It says, And then the Lord God took the man, that's the male, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from every tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of this, you will surely die and everything with you. This statement has everything in it a male needs. I have come tonight to show you that God has a very clear purpose for the male. And he didn't hide it. It's right here. Everything in this statement is about the male. He's talking to the male. Only the male is around. The woman is not created yet. The male is receiving all the information. So let's take a look at this verse. very important. And you want to write this down. First, God says he put the man in Eden. The word Eden is a Hebrew word which means presence. Eden was not a place. That's why they can't find it anymore. Eden was an atmosphere, an environment. No one has ever found Eden because Eden was an environment. It was an atmosphere. And that's what God created for the man to live in. Matter of fact, when I did my research on the Hebrew, it blew my mind. The Hebrew word for Eden has five strokes, and it means spot, 
moment, presence, open door, delightful. When you put it all together, it means the spot on the earth where the presence of God was an open door to heaven, a delightful place. That's why Adam never had to pray, never had to sing, never had to fast, no altars, no priests, no apostles, no nothing. Why? He had a direct open door, direct to heaven. He was walking in this wonderful presence. That's where the male was created to be. I feel like preaching almost. This is very important. Now remember, God did not allow the man to find the garden. It says God grabbed him and put him there. Why? You were created by God to live in Eden. You know, when God, every time God creates anything, he always makes the environment first. Let me prove that. When God was creating fish, he made the water first. When God was creating plants, he made the earth first. When God was creating stars, he made the firmament first. In other words, he made the environment more important than the product. You still ain't get what I'm talking about. In other words, God made the water, then he made the fish. He made the soil, then he made the plants. He made the firmament, then he made the stars. He made the garden, and then he made the man. Fish need water, plant needs soil, stars need firmament, you need Eden. You might as well give God praise right now. Now listen to me. If you take a fish out of water, it malfunctions and dies. If you take a plant out of soil, it malfunctions and dies. If you take a star from the firmament, it becomes a meteorite, burns up and dies. If you take a man out of God's presence, he malfunctions and he kills people. Oh, I ain't preaching to nobody yet. This is why the devil has no problem with women coming to church. This is why your churches for the last 200 years have been filled with hats and skirts. Why? The devil knows if a man ever gets back in God's presence, the family will come back to order. Oh, help me now. That's why God hates a worshiping man. Listen to me, the devil hates a worshiping man. That's why God tells you to lift your hands and praise him. Why? When you start coming back to Eden, the devil is nervous because he knows I'm losing the man. I'm losing the man. He's coming back to God's presence. The second thing God gave the man was work. This is very important. Now we're going to talk about this tonight in a few minutes. Everybody say work. The first place God put man was in his presence. The first thing God gave man was work. The word work is going to be our focus tonight. God gave man work before a woman. And work shows up in chapter 2 before the fall. Work is not a curse. First, you need God's presence. And the second thing God gave the man was not a family, not a wife. Work. Everybody say work. work. Say it loud. Work. Shake the roof. Work. Don't forget that word. The third thing God gave man was, he says, take care of the garden. The word care means to cultivate. Then God told a man to guard the garden. It means to protect. 
And then the fifth thing God told the man, he says, you keep my command. Don't touch the tree. Now these important statements are critical. And the last thing God said to man was, the day you eat, you will surely die. Write these down, please. These are very important to every male. Every instruction here was never given to the woman. She wasn't even around when God was talking to this man. The male got six instructions. One, stay in Eden. Two, work. Three, care, cultivate. Four, guard and protect. Fifth, command, keep God's commandment. And six, be responsible. God told Adam, everything is hanging on you. What happens to the human race depends on what happens to the male. What the male does controls the country. This is why the devil is working so hard on the male, even confusing him about his own sexuality. This is why pornography is so strong in the male to corrupt him. Every advertisement targeted to the male is a woman's naked body or the breast hanging out. Why? The devil is after you, brother. God told Adam, the day you eat, you wipe out the whole family. He placed the weight on the male. Stay with me. We just getting warmed up. Hang on a second. <laughs> Write this down. Here's what I want you to remember. Number one, the male was created first. Everybody say first. First, first doesn't mean you are better. First means you are responsible for everything that comes after you. It isn't good to be first. Because when you're first, that means you got all the information. That's why God never taught the woman anything. Why? Because the male was made first. He automatically made the male the teacher. Number two, the first thing God gave the male was image. Why? Because the most important thing a male must have is a self-image. We have an image crisis going on in the male. Number three, the first place God put the man is in Eden, in his presence. Number four, the first command God gave the male was to work. And number five, the second command was to cultivate. Number six, the third command was to protect. And number seven, the fifth command was to obey my word. Now all of this is to you and to me, the male. This is our foundational responsibility. Which means that the male must always pursue God's presence first and always pursue his work first and always protect everything under his care, cultivate everything under his care, and he has to pursue God's word and obey it all the time. That's a male's priority. And let's break this down a little bit then. What's the key to manhood? The key to manhood is work. Now, if that's the first command God gave man, then we must study what does he mean by work. The, work, the word work is the word ergon. Interesting word work. And here's what it means. First, it means to become. Secondly, it means to manifest. Thirdly, it means to fulfill. Fourthly, it means to reveal. 
Six, it means to become yourself. In other words, the word work means to discover and become what you were created to be through self-manifestation. This is shocking to me. You've been taught that work is something you do. <laughs> That's why they fired you. In my new book out there on crisis, I have an entire two chapters on the difference between your work and your job. Your work is not your job. Your job is what they pay you to do. Your work is what you were born to do. Your job is your skill. Your work is your gift. Your job, <laughs> they can fire you from. Your work, they can't touch. You can retire from your job. You can never retire from your work because your work is your gift. And God was telling Adam, work. Look at the meaning of it. Become. This is very important. This word can be used toward, let's say, a seed. If you have a, a mango seed in your hand and you say, work, you're telling the seed to become a tree with mangoes. That's the meaning of the Hebrew word. Listen to the words in English. Adam, become. Become yourself. That means God has hid in every male an awesome vision he's supposed to become. You are not supposed to go to work. You're supposed to manifest work. Some of you are getting it. See, <laughs> your work is what you are carrying that you were born to bring forth for your generation. That's your work. That's why your job is always temporary. They can fire you from that. But they can't fire you from being yourself. It is important for a male to find his work. Why? It's the first thing God told him. Become yourself. Manifest who you really are. Reveal your true self. The average man has never discovered himself. And that's why the women are confused. Let me take it a little deeper. Can we go a little deeper? The male's priority is work. So I want you to write this statement down. Very important. The most important thing to the male is work. Why? It's the first command God gave him. That's why a man, his entire life is tied to his work. Work is something you, you do it's not something you do, rather, but something you become. And therefore, it's important for you to understand that work is your purpose. Your purpose, therefore, is the original reason why you was created. You know, uh, the seed, an apple seed was created to become an apple tree. Am I right? A bird was created to fly. That's its work. When a bird is flying, it's working. <laughs> a fish was born to swim. So when a fish is swimming, it's working. 
Tiger Woods was born to play golf. So when he's playing golf, he's working. <laughs> Have you found your work? You can never fire Tiger Woods. Never. Why? You cannot hire a gift. Oh, I'm talking to some of you men. <laughs> you can't fire Michael Jordan. The guy will die, Mr. Basketball. LeBron James, my God. Born to shoot basket. And no matter what you do, he's going to succeed. I wonder what your work is. Why is it so important to find your work? Because your work is your source of your vision. Let me put it another way. Vision is purpose in pictures. When you see what you were born to do in pictures, that's your vision for your life. That's why your work is your vision. And when you find your purpose and you see it in pictures, you've discovered your vision for your life. Why is this so important for the male? Well, Proverbs 19 says these words, many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. God's purpose is more important than your plans. Look at the verse again. Many are the plants in your heart, but the Lord's purpose will what? Prevail. In other words, purpose is more important than plants. Purpose is more powerful than plants. It will prevail over your plans. And purpose precedes plants. That means God had a purpose long before you was conceived. You were born because of purpose, not to find it. There's something God wanted done that made you necessary. So God gave you birth to fulfill something he already had planned. That's why the Bible says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that were prepared for us before the world began. You came to earth to do something that's already finished. You were born to start it. Oh, that's too much. Okay. There's something God wanted done that God already finished. He gave you birth to start it. So you are not here as an experiment. You are here as an assignment. You came to earth already with your work trapped on the inside, prepared long before the world began. you living with your work. The problem is you're trapped on a job. And your job can suffocate your work. And that's why you're so depressed every Monday morning. You go into a place that is not you. I'm talking to somebody. Let me put it another way. Write this down, please. The first priority of the male is work. And the male is defined by his work. The same way you define a bird by flying and a fish by swimming and a seed by a tree, you're supposed to define a man by his work. That's why when a man loses a job, he loses his sanity. His whole life is wrapped up in his work. That's why men commit suicide. And this is why men go into depression when they lose their jobs because their life is tied to their work. 
The problem is, most of what they call their work is only their jobs. That's why God sent me. You're going to leave here free from a job, and you're going to stop your work in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? The male's purpose is in his work. This is why a man finds so much fulfillment in his work. And this is very dangerous because work is more important than woman in a man. This is very important. God gave the man work first. Then he made a woman in verse 22. He gave man work in verse 15. Then God said, it's not good for this man to be working alone. In other words, you're supposed to know your work before you find a woman. This is why women are frustrated because they're living with a man who haven't found his work. I'm going to tell you why that happens in a minute. But write this down, please. Your worth is in your work. The male gets his worth from his work, not from a woman. <laughs> it's your work that makes you worthful. And when a man doesn't have an awareness of his work, he feels worthless. <laughs> Write this down then. The male's value is in his work. How valuable is a man? He's not valuable based on a woman he's living with. Women don't make men valuable. Their work makes them feel valuable. When a man loses work, he feels he has no value. That's why he beats the woman. Oh, I need a couple more days to talk about this. What I'm saying is very deep. You got to really think about this. When a man finds his niche, when he finds his purposeful life, Everything comes alive. He feels important without anyone's approval. When a man finds his work, he doesn't need buddies to make him feel good. Oh, I'm talking now, see. When a man discovers his gift, his work, he doesn't need to hang out with the boys anymore. He found his fulfillment in his work. The male's esteem is in his work. A man finds his sense of importance and significance in his work. I love what Jesus did. The Bible says, Jesus said these words over and over again. He says, I came to do the work my father sent me to do. It is my work to work the work the father sent me to do. I came to finish the work the father sent me to do. I have fulfilled your work, O oh Lord. I came to work. My father is working. I am always working. Work, 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 work. That's why Christ was completely fulfilled. He was in his work. Now, let me give you something that's very interesting. Work and women. Write this down. This is very important to every man. I want to show you the relationship between a woman and your work. And here's why you got all your problems with ladies. I'm about to give you some solutions. Number one, the male was given work before a woman. In other words, 
You're supposed to already know your vision for your life before you marry a woman. Eve met Adam with two things. One, in God's presence, and two, working. Help me, Lord. I'm going to say it again. The woman's supposed to meet you with two things. One, in God's presence, and two, working. Remember, working is not something you do, it's something you are becoming. You already know what you were born to do. You're becoming your purpose. Now you're ready for a woman. I'm going to explain to you why in a minute. God made work more important for a male than a woman. Why? Number two, the woman was created to help the man. Oh dear, getting quiet now. The Bible says, I will make for him a helper. Now if someone coming to help you, you must be doing something. Some of you men took a beautiful lady out of her parents' home. <laughs> she had her own bed in that house, refrigerator, car, food in that house, but you, trying to be a man, told her to come and follow you and marry you, and you took her out of her parents' home and tell her, come to live with you, and the Bible says she was created to help you and she married you and you ain't doing nothing. Come on, let's talk, guys. Let's talk. God says it is not good for this man to be alone. I will make for him what? A helper. Now listen to me, guys. That means when God was building the woman, listen carefully, everything he built in her, intellect, intuition, intelligence, skill, planning, wisdom, ideas, you know, all kinds of wonderful suggestions, all that equipment, everything she has is for you, dummy. Now listen to me. This is why most men need teaching. Because when you meet a woman, she comes equipped. But when the man sees her, he is threatened because he ain't got no project for her to work on. You getting it? So here comes this woman with all kinds of PhDs, master's degree, intelligence, intuition, ideas, wisdom, goals, plan, all the strategy, and she comes and she says, hi there. And you become intimidated by the thing that was made just for you. And what do you do? You call her aggressive. She ain't aggressive, she's equipped. You call her aggressive because you don't know what to do with the equipment.
You know, most men marry women like companies hire people. Sometimes you hire a person and then don't give them anything to do. <laughs> That's the most frustrating thing in the world is to hire someone and don't tell them what to do. Listen carefully. This is very important. That is why the first thing God gave the male was work. Because when a man discovers his work, now he's ready for a woman who comes to help him with the work. Now, if a woman marries a man and he doesn't know his own vision, his own work, then he has brought frustration in the house. Write this down. A woman needs the male's work to be fulfilled. She's a helper. The first question a woman should ask a man who wants to marry him is, where are you going? I want to know your future. Show me your vision on paper. Why? You're asking me to follow you. I want to know where you're going. What are we going to do together? Work before woman. Vision before woman. Assignment before woman. Your vision is the key to the woman's fulfillment. My wife is the happiest woman in the world. Because when she met me, I was already in my work. When a man has found his work, he secures the peace of the woman. A woman doesn't come to compete with you. She came to complete you. Now, let me tell you something about, 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 about women. Because God equipped them to help, and they come into your life, if you ain't doing nothing, they're going to help themselves. They're going to start their own businesses. They're going to start their own projects, start their own ministry, because you ain't doing nothing. Do you know what your wife is waiting for? A plan. When you leave this conference, you need to go home with a vision for your family. Tell your wife, honey, I got a job, but I'm working on my work right here. I got this idea. I'm going I'm to, and by the way, uh, this is very interesting. Uh, a female is an incubator. I mean, the woman, whole entire body is an incubator. God designed them that way. That's why whatever you give a woman, you never get it back the way you gave it. You know, an incubator is an amazing thing. Whatever you put in an incubator, it is multiplied, it's given life, and you give it back to you. Let me say it again. Whatever you put in an incubator, it always multiplies whatever you give it. It gives it life and gives it back to you. Incubators never keep anything. They always take it in, multiply it, make it bigger, give it life, and give it back to you. So, that's why if you give a woman a sperm, she don't get a sperm back, she multiplies it, gives it life, gives you a baby. You give her a house, she multiplies it, gives you a home. You give her groceries, she multiplies it, gives it life, and gives you a meal. (laughs) 
You give her a word, she multiplies it, she gives you a sentence. Yes? So, you give her frustration, multiplies it, she gives you hell. You can always tell what you give in a woman by what she's giving back to you. Incubators. She came into your life to what? Help. Write this down. The woman is frustrated by a man who doesn't know his vision, his work in life, doesn't know what he's becoming. That's why I appreciate manpower. Manpower is us hiding away for a couple of days and trying to grapple with these basic issues so we can save our women from frustration. We need to be honest with ourselves. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. Your job is not your work. You got to find that work. Find out what is my assignment? What am I born? What was I born to do? That's what a woman is looking for. I put it to you that the most important discovery of a male is his work. Because work is the purpose for your existence and purpose is the source of your vision. Now, vision is an amazing thing. Vision gives the male his sense of meaning in life. If you know where you're going, you have a sense of security and a sense of passion. Matter of fact, vision provides security and meaning for the female also because when she relates to you, she came into your life to help you do what you're doing. You should never marry a woman if you don't know where you're going. That's abuse of a woman. She came to help you. Help you with what is the question. And that's why these days are so important together. We cannot go into the next century with confused men. Your wife, your wife is quiet, but she is quietly frustrated because you, you wouldn't tell her what we're doing. What are we doing in this house? She needs you to find your vision for her own sanity. Proverbs 29 says, where there is no vision, the family perish. Write this down. Jobs prepare you for your work. You were never supposed to die on a job. You're supposed to die in your work. Jobs are always temporary. Work is permanent. They can fire you from a job. They can't fire you from your work. Your wife needs security, and work is security. I put it to you, that vision is personal but never private. Do you see it there? It says, where there is no vision, what? The people perish. It never says where there is no husband or no leader. Where there is what? No vision. 
people perish. Vision is more important than the person. Yes, you're a good man. You're a wonderful guy. But do you have a vision for the family is the question. Can you show me a 50-year plan on paper for your family right now? 50 years. I have one. Can your sons say to you, Daddy, is this where we're going? I'm going to go to college and get education to help you get there. Even give your children purpose when you find your own vision. Look at that verse again. Where there is no what? Vision, you affect all the people. Vision is not private. It affects everybody. Therefore, vision is a source of self-control. It keeps you on one path. Vision is also the key to personal and corporate discipline. It helps you discipline your life. And I want to close on this because it's very important for men to understand the power of vision. I am very concise with my life. I know exactly what to do every day. If you have no vision, you are open game. Anybody can run your life. As a matter of fact, without a vision, you can be led by good things that are not right things. And good is not always right. Let me put it this way. Purpose precedes vision. That's why God gives you purpose first. And purpose for your life is the source of your vision. That's where it comes from. And purpose is the foundation of your vision. That's where you get it built from. And purpose produces your vision. Vision is purpose when you can see it. Can you see the apple tree and the seed? Absolutely. Vision is a manifestation of your purpose. Vision is also the glimpse of your purpose when you see it in pictures. Vision is a conceptual reality of your purpose for living. Vision is purpose in technicolor. All of you have seen your purpose, but you can't believe that's you. Because your society tells you don't think that big. That's why God sent me to tell you, believe what you're dreaming. I put it to you then that vision is God's deposit of his purpose in your heart. He puts it there for you. Vision is purpose and pictures. Vision is a view of your end at the beginning. Vision is therefore you looking at your future. From it comes your passion. A man who knows his work and his purpose doesn't go home and sit on, in television, watching television with a bear in his hand for five hours. A man who has vision for his life doesn't spend his time just hanging around with the boys shooting pool. Your vision makes you a disciplined man. I put it to you that vision is a preview of your finished future. It's already finished. That's why it looks so beautiful. And it gives you the incentive to move toward that passion. Therefore, vision is seeing your true self and your true self-concept. You see yourself as God sees you in the end. There's a verse of scripture that changed my life. 
And it talks about God setting your end before the beginning. God wants you to have sight, but never live by your sight. The greatest gift God ever gave man is not the gift of sight, but the gift of vision. Why? Because the enemy of vision is sight. Sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. Never trust your eyes over your vision. Vision shows you what could be. Sight shows you what is. Always live by what you see with your vision, not with your eyes. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Vision contradicts your eyes. I know things don't look good right now, but God has sent me and, and Bishop Jakes and Brother Love to tell you, look, hold your head back up. This crisis cannot last. Your vision is more real than your present reality. Don't trust your eyes. You were not created to live by your eyes, but by your vision. That's why your hope can come from your vision. The reason why Barack Obama won the election is because he kept talking about a future. He used the word hope. You know, uh, whether you are against him or for him, it doesn't matter. He won. <laughs> why? He was selling the most powerful thing in life, vision, hope. Vision is the source of confidence. Joel says these words, it shall come to pass when I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Why? so they can jump and run around a building and fall on the floor. Some of y'all are running tonight. What's the purpose for the Holy Spirit? This is a very important question. Why should he anoint you? What's the reason for sending the Holy Ghost back to earth? What did Adam lose? Are you thinking with me? Jesus gave the disciples the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to give it back to everybody. What does the Holy Spirit bring back to man? Not a thrill, not a shout. He says he's coming back with two things. If you are old, he'll give you back your dream. If you are young, he'll give you back your vision. That's my case. No matter what you say about this conference, how anointed it was, how the power of God was there, and the presence of God was there, the question is, did you leave here with a dream or a vision? That's evidence that the Holy Ghost was here. 
Wow. No matter how much you tell me that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the result should be a clear vision for your life. Now notice it says the old man shall what? Dream dreams. Now here's why. The difference between a dream and a vision is very interesting. A dream is a vision that cannot come, come to pass in your lifetime. So it's called a dream. Let me say it again. A dream is a vision that cannot come to pass in your lifetime. So it's a, it's a dream. It's still a vision, but it's a dream. A dream is a vision that cannot be accomplished in your lifetime. So you pass it on to the next generation. If you are young, it's a vision. Why? Because you're so young, you can actually complete it in your lifetime. So whether you are old or young, it doesn't matter. He gives you both back vision. And one of the things he said that blew my mind, and listen to this as we prepare to bring this to a conclusion. He says, the handmaidens shall prophesy. The women shall prophesy. This is very interesting. Bishop, listen to this. When I did my research on this verse, it was shocking. It actually has a strange con context in the Hebrew. It says, if you're young, you will have revelation. You'll see the future. If you're old, you'll see the future. But if you are a female, you will repeat the future. Now, when I looked up the, the context of the word, here's what it means. When a man tells a woman his vision, she incubates it. And every time she sees him, she tells him what he told her back to him. This is deep. That's why it is called prophesying. See, you told your wife, God told me to build this ministry. God told me, God told me. She said, okay, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then after about two years, you get discouraged. You say, this is, this, I, I think I miss God. She says, now wait a minute. Didn't you tell me that God told you that you, and she starts Now, most men, when the wife comes back, and prophesies back to them what they told the wife, the men call it nagging. God calls it prophecy. Don't tell her shut up. She's doing her job. She's telling you what you told her God told you. Give God a hand for good women. Come on, give God a hand for good women. Praise God. So, sit down for one second. Listen to this. The purpose, therefore, for the Spirit is to restore man to his vision and to his dream. I want to pray and transfer the Spirit of vision upon every man here tonight. Because I want to show you why your vision is so important. Isaiah says, I am God and there's none like me. I am God and I said the end before the beginning. I say from ancient times what is yet to come. I say my purpose will stand.
as we conclude this, I want you to take a look at what God is saying here. God says, I said the end before the beginning. And I say from ancient times, what is yet to come. I say my purpose will stand. Look at me for a second. God says, look, I set the end of your life first. I finish it first. And then I back up and I begin your life. Watch him now. He says, he set the end first. Then he begins. So whenever God begins something, that is evidence it's finished. So God doesn't allow anything to begin unless it's already finished. So when your father released the sperm in your mother's womb, six hundred million sperms dashed toward the egg in your mother, and God had to pick through six hundred million sperms, and he said, I want that one. Guess who that was? That was you. Why? He says, uh, what I finished, I want it to start now. I'm going to give him birth now. Your birth is evidence that there's something already finished that you were born to start. That's why the next verse says, he makes known the end at the beginning. He will show you your end at your beginning. Okay. This is too wonderful. So God says, look, I'm going to finish you first, then I'll start you. And when I start you, I'll show you your finish. So that's why you walk around every day with this big dream of what you want to do. That's your end. Now at the beginning, you're broke. But at the end, you're a multimillionaire. And you can see the millions while you're broke. <laughs> now, you got to understand, God won't allow you to see what is not there. So once you see it, that's a fact. The distance between what you see and where you are is called the plan. So it's important for you as a man to see your end. If you meet a woman at the beginning, don't tell her what you have at the beginning. You ain't got nothing. Show her what you will have at the end and tell her, help me get there, baby. Help me get there, baby. Help me get there, baby. When my wife married me, I was broke in college. Had nothing. But I told her my dream. She believed my dream more than my problem. didn't know she was getting married to a multi-millionaire. 
I want you to go home and get your dream and vision on paper and tell your wife, baby, stay with me long enough. Because I promise you, if you stay with me long enough, <laughs> you are going to have your own seat in your own jet. Oh, come on, man. Dream with me just a little bit. We're going to have five houses on lease. We're going to travel around the world together sharing God's word. Just stay with me. I know my church only got 50 members now, baby. But I promise you, if you stay with me, God showed me 50,000. 